keep calm and carry on. The original was from a World War II war poster in England. And um, I've been having fun lately because my son Josiah is in England. He's in London. And so I've been texting him various versions of this as a commentary on whatever he's doing this day. So keep calm and study on, keep calm and sightsee on, keep calm and laundry on. Just this morning, he went to a service at Westminster Abbey, so it was keep calm and liturgy on. (laughs) Well, in today's passage, Jesus says to us, keep calm and kingdom on. Keep calm. Do not worry. Do not be anxious. We need to hear that, right? Specifically, though, Jesus says, do not worry about what you will eat or drink or what you will wear. So let me ask you, when was the last time you worried about where your next meal was coming from or about how you'd replace your only set of clothes? Because that is what Jesus in the first place is talking about here. He's not talking about whether we'll have enough money to upgrade our four-year-old SUV this year. He's not talking about whether we have enough left on the credit card for a trip to the mall because even though our closet is full, we've got nothing to wear. Those may be first world problems, but they're not the kind of problems that Jesus' original audience had. For the vast majority of them, they literally needed to know every day what they would eat that day and how long their only set of clothes would last. So for most of us, unless we're currently unemployed or or we've run out of savings, Jesus isn't talking directly about our financial situation. We just don't worry about these things. Great, thankfully, gratefully so. Unless that is, unless we have been taking seriously the radical things that Jesus has been saying in the Sermon on the Mount. Things like chapter 5, verse 40. If anyone wants to sue you and take your coat, hand over to them your shirt as well. Does that statement worry you? Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, about what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Or how about chapter 5, verse 42? Give to the one who asks you. And do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Does that possibility worry you? Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Or how about the passage just before today's passage? We looked at it two weeks ago where Jesus says in chapter 6, verses 19 and following, Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. You cannot serve both God and money. Does that worry you? Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Steve pointed out last Sunday the therefore at the beginning of today's passage. It's only the second time Jesus uses therefore in the whole Sermon on the Mount. And it's there for a reason, right? It's there because 
in today's passage, Jesus is responding and following up to what he's already said earlier in the sermon, which might cause us to worry. He's telling us not to worry because what he's told us previously could raise our anxiety level if we took it seriously. If they sue you for your shirt, then let them have your coat as well. Give freely. Lend freely. Don't store up treasures on earth. Does anyone else besides me hear those words? And when I think what they might mean to obey them, I begin to feel anxious. Jesus says, don't worry. So, so even though I, I don't relate to today's text because I worry about where my next meals are coming from or whether my clothes will last another year, I do worry, I do feel anxiety when I hear Jesus teaching about possessions and money. Jesus, if I take your teaching seriously, I could wind up being taken advantage of. I could wind up hungry. I could wind up naked. Jesus, if I get busy looking after everyone else, who's going to look after me? Right? Did, did any of you feel anxious two weeks ago when, when we looked at what Jesus said about not storing up treasures on earth? And Jesus says to us in response, stay calm and kingdom on. Stay calm. Do not worry. Do not be anxious about food or clothes about your basic needs. Why? How? How can I stay calm? Have you ever noticed when, when you just tell someone not to worry, it seldom works? I mean, I've done this with my wife. <laughs> it, it seldom works because it's not that they've forgotten that they're not supposed to worry. <laughs> oh yeah, don't worry. I forgot I wasn't supposed to do that. Okay, I'll stop. <laughs> right? It doesn't work that way. It's hard to stop worrying. What we need instead is a reason that we don't have to worry. We need perspective or insight or evidence that, that what we're worried about is not going to be a problem after all. Then we can relax. And that's what Jesus offers us in today's passage. He tells us why we don't have to worry. And he gives us reasons, in fact, six reasons. I guess he knows we need some persuading and some reassurance. Let's take a look at, at the reasons Jesus gives. Six of them. The, the first reason, Jesus puts in the form of a question, a, a rhetorical question. In fact, four of the six reasons Jesus gives are questions. Jesus is a good psychologist. He knows the power of a good question. Jesus asks, and, and I'm going to read it from the New English translation here because I think it captures the meaning best. Verse 25. Isn't there more to life than food and more to the body than clothing. In other words, if you get yourself worrying about your basic needs, you'll miss out on so much of the richness and goodness of life that's all around you. You know, have you ever thought what it would be like to suddenly find yourself poor? This has been popular recently with the whole zombie apocalypse focus and the, the prepper movement. You know, what if our worst dystopian fears come true? What if it all falls apart? You know, the grid goes down and there's rioting in the streets and there's no electricity, there's no running water, there's no gasoline, no, our cars don't work, there's a great EMP flare, right? Well, for those of us who are so dependent on these things, a, 
adapting could be really hard or even catastrophic. But it's also true that all over the world today, there are people right now who live every day without many of those things. And I don't at all want to minimize or negate the the suffering, the, the, the deprivation that many of them experience. But guess what? Many of them also experience happiness, just like us. And some studies have found even more so than us. They're actually happier than us. They too enjoy the the awe and the wonder of a beautiful sunset. The relief of a soft evening breeze after a hot day. The, The relaxing feel of sitting beside a bubbling brook. The cozy warmth of a family gathering. They could tell us, like Jesus knows well too. After all, remember, Jesus often didn't know where he would stay the night or where his next meal was coming from. They could tell us that life holds many joys and blessings, even when you don't have what so many of us think we need. Life is so much more than food, and the body so much more than clothes. Then Jesus gives us a second reason we should stay calm and kingdom on. It's another question in verse 26. Are you not much more valuable than the birds? In God's eyes, don't you realize you rank more than birds? You are made in God's image, the crown of God's creation, so beloved that God gave his own son for your salvation. If God even cares for the birds and provides for the birds, don't you think much more God will care and provide for you? Now, this is a difficult one because the truth is, and and Anne Swaim could tell you this well with their work for Autobahn, birds do die for lack of food. And Jesus' followers have died in times of famine along with their neighbors. So Jesus is talking, it seems, in general terms here. He's not addressing worst-case scenarios and all the big, hard, gut-wrenching, heart-rending questions that go with them. Why, God, why do you allow devastating earthquakes and famines and wars and plagues and pestilences? Those are huge questions and they're important ones and and other parts of Scripture do wrestle with them. But they're beyond beyond the point that Jesus is making here. Jesus is just saying that in normal times, most of the time, God provides even for the birds. And so how much more will your loving Father in heaven provide for his own beloved children? Think about it. Do you really believe in God? That God is powerful? That God is good? That God knows you and sees you and loves you? If you do, then you can trust that God knows what you need and will provide for you. And so you don't have to worry about it. God knows what you need. You know, my kids, if if you visit them around 4.30 in the afternoon, you will not find them worrying anxiously about whether they will get dinner that night. Why? Because they know that Ann and I love them. They know we're concerned that they have what they need. 
And they know that in this season of life anyway, thankfully, God has provided us with enough to be able to buy them food. So they don't have to worry. And they don't, they might worry about what we're cooking. (laughs) But not that there will be something nourishing on their plates. And, And Jesus says, we don't have to worry either. Our Father is more than capable and willing to feed and clothe us. So we're freed up from concern to be generous, to give to the one who asks of us, to, to give our shirt to the one who's suing us to take our coat, to sell our possessions and give to the poor, storing up treasures for ourselves from our Father in heaven. In other words, we are free to stay calm and kingdom on. Then Jesus gives us a third reason. It's another rhetorical question. You you could put it this way. Worrying doesn't work anyway, does it? (laughs) As Jesus put it in verse 27, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Worrying doesn't work. Anxiety doesn't put food on the table. It doesn't put clothes in your closet. Unless it motivates you to go out and find or earn these things. But It's your work, it's your activity that does the trick, not your worry. Notice Jesus isn't telling us not to work. In fact, even the birds work. As one Bible commentator put it, God gives the birds their food, but he does not throw it in their nests. So work, yes, but don't worry. Work from a place of trust, from a place of faith. Don't work driven by anxiety. boy, what a difference that would make if we could continually live with that switch. We now know, right, that if anything, worry and anxiety will take time off of our lives. Stress and anxiety are not good for our health. So why worry, Jesus asks. Then he adds a fourth reason to stay calm and kingdom on. It's another question. Don't you rank above wildflowers? Or as Jesus put it in verse 30, if that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Again, Jesus is asking, don't you believe? Don't you believe God sees you and knows what you need and wants you to have something to wear? Don't you believe God is able to clothe you? Of course he is. Where's your faith, Jesus is saying. Where's your trust in your father? The famous German pastor during World War II, Helmut Thielica, put it bluntly, every worry is a vote of non-confidence in God. Then Jesus adds a fifth reason not to worry. He says, if you find yourself running after food and drink and clothing, you're like a pagan. Verse 32. You're like someone who's chronically insecure and unsure about whether the God that they worship is good enough and kind enough and consistent enough and powerful enough to take care of them. And so they worry. Will Baal or, or Molech or, or Zeus or whoever notice and help and care and be able to help? We don't believe in that kind of God, Jesus is saying. 
we believe rather in a heavenly father who knows what we need before we ask. You know, I had a powerful experience of this a number of years ago when I was living in in Budapest, Hungary, and I might have shared this story. At at the time, right out of college, I didn't have a lot of money or or possessions, and I came to Budapest with only what I could bring in two suitcases. Um, And the salary I was paid by the Hungarian school I worked for was less than $400 a month. That's what all the Hungarians lived on. It was the week before Christmas at this point, my, my first year there, and I was looking at my closet. I was looking at my clothes as, as winter was coming on. And I was wondering if I had enough to get through the winter. And I, I thought, you know, I basically do. I could use maybe one more warm sweater and a couple pair of, of dress socks. Uh, but other than that, I'd be okay. Well, it was just a passing moment in my evening one evening. And uh, it was around Christmas time. And that Christmas, I had no plans and, and so a day or two before Christmas, at the last minute, a couple of friends found out, and they invited me to spend Christmas morning with them. And I said, well, I'd be glad to, but I don't have any presents to bring, and, and there isn't time now to do any shopping before the, the stores close, because it really was the last minute. And, and they said, don't worry about it, just come. And, and so I did, and to my surprise, they had presents for me under the tree. And you'll never guess what they gave me a nice warm sweater, and two pairs of dress socks. And I was speechless. It was exactly what I thought I needed. And you have to realize I hadn't even prayed about it. It was just a passing thought that went through my head as I was looking in my closet. And I was like, God, you heard what I was thinking the other day. As I looked at my closet, didn't you? You were there. You see, God really knows God really does. God knows what we need before we even ask. And so we don't need to worry. We don't need to be anxious. We don't need to work ourselves up into a frenzy of of asking God over and over and over to meet our basic needs. How does Jesus tell us to pray if you think back to the Lord's Prayer? He says, don't keep babbling like the pagans who think they'll be heard because of their many words. Just ask your Father simply and sincerely. Give us this day our daily bread. And then move on. God already knows what you need anyway. And God cares for you. As a good parent cares for their children. So stay calm. And kingdom on. Then Jesus gives us a final sixth reason not to worry. And this one is perhaps a bit cynical. (laughs) Jesus says, verse 34, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. (laughs) Here's the way we put it in our family. Don't borrow trouble. Don't borrow trouble. Don't borrow tomorrow's trouble by worrying about it today. Today's got enough trouble. Deal with today. Tomorrow's trouble will be here soon enough. So six reasons Jesus gives not to worry. And then Jesus gives us this famous statement of what we should focus on instead. Instead of worrying about what we need, our food, our clothes, here's what we should do. Verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first. Notice the verb Jesus uses here. Not build the kingdom, not further the kingdom, not 
serve, not extend. This isn't primarily a call to ministry, but seek. Seek God's kingdom and God's righteousness. Look for it. Search for it. Pursue it. Try to obtain it and find it is perhaps a good translation. Like that merchant Jesus tells the story about who went all over looking for fine pearls. And when he found an exquisite one, he sold everything he had to buy it. Seeking. Or like the hippies in the 1960s who went to Asia seeking enlightenment. Leaving job opportunities behind, spending money on travel, counting everything else secondary in order to seek and find what they were looking for. So Jesus says, seek my kingdom and my righteousness. Go on a quest for it with your life. We've only got so much bandwidth, right? We've, we've only got so much mental and emotional energy. Jesus is saying, don't burn it on things which God wants to give you anyway. Like what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear. Rather, use your energy to seek to look for, to obtain this kingdom of heaven that Jesus is coming to bring. This Sermon on the Mount life that Jesus has been teaching us about as we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount these past months, where we are quick to forgive and to reconcile if we think back over the Sermon on the Mount, where we flee from lust and temptation, where we are faithful to our marriages, where we let our word be our bond, where we give and we lend freely, we turn the other cheek, we go the extra mile, loving even our enemies. Where we don't do our religion to, to show or to impress anyone, but, but rather we cultivate a personal and even secret relationship with our Father in heaven. As we pray and as we fast and as we give to the poor, we, we store up treasures in heaven for, for our Father's notice and appreciation not because we're holding on to earthly treasures or seeking those. And by doing so, we become the meek. We become the poor in spirit, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, the merciful, and even the persecuted. Those Jesus spoke about in the Beatitudes. Those Jesus assured us that if we'd become such people, kingdom people, righteous people, we will be blessed, we'll be fortunate, we will Live the good life. Why? Because a new kingdom is coming. A kingdom which is in the process, even now, of breaking in and overcoming and replacing this broken and fallen world with its strife and its wars and its oppression, its devaluing and using of people, its striving and acquiring, and yet still, at the end of the day, being full of anxiety and worry. And so, if we live the life of the future now, the, the life Jesus came to bring and to give us and to teach us to walk in, the life of heaven which is coming to earth, the life which will be fully here when God comes to dwell among us and all is put right, if we live that way now, as Jesus teaches us to do, we will be salt and light. We'll be a countercultural community, like a city on a hill in a land of darkness, showing the world a different way to live, a way of life which is coming and will one day hold sway over all. 
And so like salt, which seasons and flavors and preserves, we will be that in a bland and a rotting society. So, Jesus says, stay calm and kingdom on. Don't worry about what you'll eat or what you'll wear. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added to you as well. Because your heavenly father knows that you need them, you of little faith. Trust your father. Trust your father. Stay calm and kingdom on. To close, let me give you one last illustration. I sometimes go to my mom's house to help her out with various things as she's getting older, getting her taxes done, fixing a dripping faucet, dealing with a broken appliance. And when I go, she says, just come. I've got a place for you to stay. I've got food for you to eat. I don't need to worry about my basic needs when I go. She's got those covered. I can focus on being with her and on what she has for me to do. Now, if I were to get some counsel from some of you and ask, should I trust her? I mean, drive all the way to Pennsylvania at this time of year without a hotel reservation, without enough food for the time that I'm away. It's risky, right? What if I'm hungry? What if I need a place to stay? Well, you'd probably raise your eyebrows at me and, and ask, well, is your mom generally trustworthy? Is she like crazy or something? <laughs> because if she's trustworthy, I'm sure you'll be fine. <laughs> Don't worry about your needs. Just go help her. Be with her, right? So question, why don't we do this with God? God has promised, hasn't he, that if we seek his kingdom and his righteousness, he'll add all these other things to us as well. So is God generally trustworthy or is God crazy? (laughs) We better look out for our own needs instead, just in case. I'd love to get some of your feedback on this. I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one here who who has trusted God for something. You took a risk for God and you, and you didn't wind up going hungry or naked as a result. God provided for you. If you've ever risked for God and God's provided, just raise your hand. Yeah, right? Jesus is right here. We can trust God. So as we close, what, what's the thing right now that you're tempted to worry about? Maybe you're already worrying about it. <laughs> And that you could choose instead to to seek God's kingdom and God's righteousness and to trust God for the thing that concerns you. What's that thing right now? Let's do a little prayer exercise. Um, I want to lead you through it now and later when you find yourself worrying again because it's a process, right? Maybe you can come back and do this prayer exercise again. So let's just take a minute to be quiet and think in your mind what that thing is that you're worried about. And I want to invite you to offer that thing to God. To remember that God knows. God cares. And God is fully capable of turning that thing out the way you want it to turn out, if it will be best for you. And if God in God's wisdom 
think something else will be best with, for you, that God is capable of accomplishing that as well. And then I want to invite you just to open your hands as a sign of trust that God will provide what is best. And if you can trust God in that place, then you can keep calm and kingdom on because our Father will provide. Amen.